Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of WeRSC.com's Inside the Trojan Huddle, where we tell it like it is. Friends, Inside the Trojan's Huddle is a game-like panel discussion that is posted Tuesdays in the offseason, twice during the regular season. The huddle features WeRSC columnists, staff writers, and historians. We first start out with the pregame show, where we introduce our panel, members for this edition of Inside the Trojan's Huddle, and then we give you the latest USC Trojans football news. Now let's meet Tuesday's panelists, a WeRSC columnist who writes WeRSC.com's The Monday Morass, yay or nay, and Sunday takeaways, in addition to regular season football and basketball reports. He also hosts his own podcast show entitled Locked on USC. That's Mark Culkin. The editor-in-chief of WeRSC.com, columnist, national recruiting guru, and a graduate of USC, Eric McKenney, and a former William Jewell College defensive back and WeRSC columnist who writes the popular WeRSC.com column Musings with Arledge, and he has his own weekly WeRSC.com video show, Musings with Arledge, and is a graduate of the USC Law School, that's Chris Arledge, and a weekly WeRSC columnist who writes Fridays the Obvious, not so obvious, IMHO Sunday and is an active member of the Football Writers Association of America, your moderator and producer of Inside the Trojan Subtle, Greg Katz. Before we kick off this Tuesday's edition of Inside the Trojan Subtle, here's the latest USC football news. This Saturday marks the opening of USC's 15 days of spring practice on Howard Jones, Brian Kennedy Fields in competition will conclude with the open to the public spring game on Saturday, April 15th in the Coliseum. Leading the Trojans offensively in the spring, will be returning Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Caleb Williams and an impressive group of returning and transfer skill players. Trojans will, however, be looking to retool their offensive line. And all eyes, however, will be on the defense and whether some heralded transfer linemen and linebackers can turn this side of the ball around from its dismal 2022 performance. Having looked at the offense last week, today's uh, huddle panel will, might, will make their post-spring defensive depth chart projections, including starters, momentarily. And in coaching news, according to On3, former USC offensive lineman uh, Vianney Talimayavu is expected to be hired at the new Stanford offensive line coach for Troy Taylor's new uh, Cardinal staff. Vianney had recently been hired at Northern Arizona after serving as an Oregon graduate assistant uh, last season. Friends, we are SC inside the Trojans huddle. Greatly appreciate your viewer and listenership. And we encourage those of you watching on the seat, uh, site, excuse me, like this as on YouTube to click on the red subscriber and like buttons. Greatly valued and it is free. And a reminder, wersc.com is offering a subscription special. You can get all the WeRSC premium content for just $29.99 up to August 31st, 2023, or $9.99 per month. All right. Let's get to the first half kickoff. And the second half as well is going to take us to the defensive uh, post-practice uh, predictions, analysis, evaluations, perspective from our defensive uh, group here today. And as we said last week, it's expected that the media will have limited access to view spring practice sessions. I've asked our panelists to predict their expectations, analysis, starters for both spring defensive depth chart for each position group. Of note, predictions for each defensive position unit will be based only 
uh, by those players expected to participate in spring ball, but panelists can reference those players that will not be participating due to various circumstances. So, panel, enough of me. Uh, let's first get begin with the Trojans defensive line group. Give me your post-spring depth chart and thoughts on this unit. And remember, again, we're only talking about those players that are expected to fully participate in spring ball, although you may reference players that do not participate in spring practice. So with that, let's begin, as we always do, with our leadoff hitter, Mark Culkin. Who is your down defensive lineman? Hello. Um, well, there's so much to choose from. I mean, uh, they had to bring in some guys. I'm going to uh, I'm going to stick with what I did on my show last week. I'm going to go Tyrone Tulaney and Kion Bars as the two guys starting with their hands in the dirt. Uh, behind them, and again, we know that during the spring they'd like to do a lot of cross training at the defensive end, rush in. So for the time being, out of spring, I've got the backups as Jack Sullivan and Dejon Benton. And I'm even going to put Stanley Taufo in there with the O with the or factor. Uh, and then depth, you've got Jamar Sacona, Earl Barquette. Is Colin Moldy going to be on the roster coming out of spring? He came back from the portal. And then um, you, let's see. Oh, what about Solomon Tuliapupu? Is he going to go from Russian inside? I mean, if you see him now, he's pretty big. He doesn't look like a rush in, like he's in a stand-up guy. He looks hand in the dirt. So as far as starters, backups, depth, there you go. All right, Eric McKenney, agree, disagree? What do you got? Yeah, I, I think this is a spot where you can shake it up in a number of different ways, and I think that's really good for USC. I mean, we'll see what it looks like actually in the fall and what that production is. But it seemed for a while now like USC couldn't have its pick between six, seven, eight guys. You had to play these three guys because they were kind of your only options. Um, the, the three guys down across the front, I'm going to say coming out of spring, I think the new guy that jumps in there is Anthony Lucas. And I think part of that is projecting a little bit. And also when you bring in kind of your, your big name, Again, Anthony Lucas is not what Caleb Williams was last year, but I think Anthony Lucas is one of the biggest names in terms of who he was as a recruit and what kind of impact that makes when you get a guy like that. Having him take a starting spot at the end of spring is a positive for you. So I, I think him in that Thule spot out of defensive end, I know he's a big guy. I'm interested to see if he can play some inside and, and do some different things. And then I think two returners, hang on to their starting spots. I like Stanley uh, Taufo in the middle and Tyrone Tulaney. I think those two guys, what Stan, what Thule gave you last year, the way coaches and players raved about his work ethic and energy and effort and all of that. I think those two guys as returners do enough there to keep them as starters coming out of spring. I think Jack Sullivan and Keon Bars are two guys that are right behind that group and if those guys end up as starters coming out of spring I don't think any of us are surprised I want to see where Devin Tompkins lands he's my sort of question of how much has he progressed after that freshman year is he out at rush end does he play defensive end has he grown to a point where he's a, a tackle and and moves inside a little bit uh he's kind of a, a wild card 
I think for me and a guy where you saw glimpses a little bit last year of, of there could be something with this guy. And I, I don't think it's a, a mistake that Lincoln Riley specifically pointed to him as a guy that they really like um, at the, you know, during the off season coming into the spring. All right. Well, fresh from Spain, uh, probably doing some scouting work of high school potential blue chippers and uh, transfers. Chris, uh, welcome back. Uh, your thoughts on the defensive line? Yeah, I was actually doing the WRSC World Tour. Uh, you wouldn't believe how big the Inside the Trojan Tunnel show is in Spain. I mean, it's it's sort of like remember when Hasselhoff was uh, was a giant star in Germany, but in his home country, nobody thought it made sense that he was even singing. It's kind of like that here. Nobody cares about us, but in Spain, we're huge, <laughs> huge. Oh, by the okay. way, Chris, uh, shameless plug for you. Uh, great shows you've had. Who's going to be your next interview guest? Do you know yet? Yeah, um, Mark Carrier this week, actually. Cool. Through cool. Trojan Legend, so uh, that'll be fun. Cool. Um, I'm going to see if uh, I'm going to see if I can get him to tell me that he was a better safety than Troy Polamalu. I don't know if he's going to do it, but I'm going to push. We'll Let's see. Get ready to rumble. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Um, Kyan Mars is going to be one of the starters. He's the only really big body that's proven, I think, on the roster up there, and uh, and they they they're undersized. So I think he's gonna I think he's gonna get one of the three spots. I think Jack Sullivan is gonna is gonna be a starter. Um, he's also I've seen people that have Sullivan and Anthony Lucas both at rush in. I don't think that makes any sense at all. Jack is a big dude. I think he's more of a hand in the dirt kind of guy. And I think that, uh, and I think he's going to start. He's, um, he's more proven than, uh, than just about anybody else on the, on the roster at this point, the third spot. I don't know. I think Anthony Lucas is a real possibility, but I'm going to go uh, Tyrone Tylini because I think that, I think that he played pretty well last year, a lot better than we expected. And I think I would expect from a guy who hasn't played a lot of football. I think we're going to see a big jump from him. Um, and while Anthony Lucas may be the most talented guy uh, up front on the roster, um, he didn't do anything last year, and he's still a young guy. So I, I don't know what we're going to see from him. Uh, so I'm going Barcelini, Sullivan. I think Lucas um, uh, and Stanley Tofu uh, both played quite a bit. I think Anthony Lucas is, um, has a possibility to be a superstar. Um, and, and I would also say that I could see uh, – I could see Solomon, uh, Solomon T. I could see him getting some time if he's gotten, if he is in fact uh, bigger than he was. Um, I think that's the right spot for him. I don't think he has the speed at this point to to really be a rush end. Um, and I could see Sam Green by the time you get to the middle or late in the season, especially in passing situations. I could see him getting some time. I really like his explosiveness, and I think that he's a promising pass rusher. Um, but, uh, but he's not going to start. So that's my, uh, that's my down group. All right. Well, I'll, I'll finish off this segment. I think the starters will be Anthony Lucas, who I think is going to be under a lot of scrutiny because a lot was made out of him coming out of high school, uh, question marks on, uh, is he in every down? Does he bring it every down? Well, this is going to be his chance to do it, but on the surface of it, I'll say Anthony Lucas. I, uh, believe that Kyron Barn bars will be there the fact of the matter is he's been on the precipice of really pushing 
to be a first team all pack 12 player. Uh, he was second team a couple of seasons ago. And I am also going to go along with Tyrone Tallini. I think he's uh, come leaps and bounds. Uh, backups. I think the wild card to the starting group for me is uh, Jack Sullivan. I think that he could probably move it in, uh, you know, listening to him talk and seeing film on him. He's he, he's going to bring it every single down, especially against the against the rush. Uh, if he can uh, pick up on the uh, pass uh, attack uh, to sack. Uh, he can move right in there. I do like Stanley uh, Taufu. Uh, Dijon Benton, I think, will be in the mix. I think another wild card, personally, uh, is what they do with Tuya Pupu. Uh, I think uh, he's gotten bigger, obviously. I think that he brings it every down. He loves the game. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for di difference makers, uh, you know, he's going to be in there. Uh, another one I'm kind of interested in is Earl Barquette Jr., just what is he going to be doing? I think he has to lay down the, the gauntlet on this one to uh, to show that he's a part of it. I think Sam Green is interesting. I don't think he'll be quite ready, but uh, maybe later in the season uh, we'll be surprised, and you never know what happens with injuries. So with that, okay. let's move on to the uh, edge rusher uh, competition. Uh, Mark, who starts? I was just going to ask Eric a real quick question because he's a numbers guy how often do they play that dime compared to their three three hello when the linebackers got hurt um Seems they like went dime they went dime a ton starting kind of halfway through the year um and doing that but that that didn't really affect that front four that was just pulling a linebacker pulling one of the inside linebackers off and and sticking another safety out there um right. So that it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do there. They were they were comfortable there. I think you've got I think you have more linebackers that you trust uh this year where where hopefully you don't have to go to that quite as much. Cool. Mark, you want to fit and finish up there on this segment for you? Yeah, we're moving to uh rush end, right? Uh yeah. We're 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 dealing with the edge rusher. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a I have a really soft spot. I, I want to. Wait a minute. Wanna, Can you write that down? Mark actually has a soft spot. Okay. Just wanted to get that in there. So, uh, on, your, on your skull, Mark? Where, where's the soft spot? I dropped my head a few times. Yes, okay. I do. Um, and that's probably going to make sense when I say that I want to say Corey Foreman is going to be the starter coming out of spring camp. I know he's not going to be the starter coming out of spring camp. Um, but I'd like to see him succeed. So, I don't know if he can't do it this year as a starter. I don't know if he's willing to accept everybody who's coming across. So maybe that's where I'm coming from. Uh, I think when you look at his numbers there throughout his, this is going to be his third year. And so far he's got 24 total tackles and on um, anybody. All, he didn't even record a statistic in the cotton bowl. I had, I looked that up today. I was, I was shocked. Uh, to find that out. So the backups, uh, if Anthony Lucas is probably going to be the starter, they brought him here to to be on the field, whether he's a rush-in, whether he's a defensive end, I don't know. Uh, Jack Sullivan can move him up on the line. And then behind those guys, just go Romello Height. Where's Solomon Tulia Pupu playing? Solomon Bird, um, Eric's favorite guy, Devin Tompkins. I'd love to see where he is uh, 
coming out of spring. And then you've got, uh, you know, Jamil Muhammad, they brought over from Georgia State. Is, where is he going to play? Is Eric Gentry, is he going to move up to the rush end? I know we've bantered about that here. A lot of talk, you know, a lot of, a lot of experimentation, I guess, is going to be going on during the spring. All right. Well, Eric? Jamil Muhammad. Jamil Muhammad's the guy. I, I think he's going to come in and he's going to grab that spot. Um, he's another guy, again, Lincoln Riley talked about this offseason, that his pass rush ability kind of jumped off the tape. That's what they need there. They need a guy who's going to get after the quarterback. Alex Grinch's defenses do the best when they get a ton of production out of that spot. They need a guy. I I liked what we saw, what we were able to see a little bit in the spring from Romello Height. I don't think you can take the first half of Rice and first series of Stanford and say that's who he is. I think he's better than what he showed there, not when he, you know, not having to play through uh injury. So I, I don't want to just sort of dismiss him and, and say he's not in it. But but I think Jamil Muhammad is is coming in to be the starter uh, at at rush end, and we'll have that by the end of spring. Chris, what's happening at this position? I don't know, but Jamil Muhammad had one sack last year. Um, right. I mean, he had he had six sacks two years ago, which I think was his. What what he was still learning defense, and I think you look at that and say, okay. This is an athletic guy. He got six sacks. He's probably on his way. Last year, he played 12 games, had a sack and a half and eight quarterback hurries. Um, I know he's a great athlete. I know the coaches have talked well about him, but that's not, that's not much better than Corey Foreman production. I mean, so. Ouch. Well, look, Corey Foreman has had one sack in two years. And, and I don't have a soft spot for him because I actually want somebody at that position who makes plays because the defense is going to get torched until they find somebody. So it's not going to be him. I don't think it's going to be Jamil Muhammad. I think it's going to be Romello Height. I don't know what we have there, but he was the guy who sort of won the position last year. Um, and, you know, good-sized guy, athletic. I think he's a starter. I think Solomon Bird is going to get some time at that spot. Bird's been productive at times. I don't think he's a fantastic athlete, but, you know, he's uh, – He's a guy who who can get you four or five sacks this year. I think that's uh, consistent with what he did last year. And then I think you have two younger guys who are going to push for playing time um, in, in Devin Tompkins and Braylon Shelby. I, I don't know what either one of those guys are going to bring to the table. It's hard to project. Sticking with Corey Foreman for a second, it's kind of hard to project sometimes what a, you know, what a high school kid is going to do at the next level. And so I don't know if Braylon Shelby's going to going to be an instant superstar or not, but it would not surprise me if Shelby starts to get real time by the end of the season. He's a really talented kid. Um, but I think Romello Height is the guy until somebody else can take it from him. And you look at this group, there are a bunch of um, there are a bunch of bodies and there are a bunch of guys that you look at and say, yeah, he seems like he's got the size and the athleticism to do it, but you don't have a single one who's actually proven anything. So I, I don't know. I, I think that um, I think there's a real chance that by the time you get to September, that you're going to have somebody from the transfer portal that's going to take this spot over. That's my guess. Could be, could be. I think it depends um, how healthy Romello Height is. Uh, we kind of got a small, small sample size of him until he got hurt. But 
Uh, if he comes back ready to go, uh, I think, Chris, you brought up a good point. Uh, I, I have Jamil uh, Mohammed uh, uh, backing up uh, height. Uh, you know, I saw a film on Mohammed. I think he's really explosive. Uh, but you make an excellent point. They only had one sack. Uh, but I'll put him there because they didn't bring him in to sit. Uh, so yeah, he's an, a real athlete, no question about it. Uh, Depth-wise, uh, kind of the same as you guys felt. I, I don't know. I, I, I started to wonder whether this is going to be Corey Foreman's last stand. Uh, I don't know how they're going to finesse with him uh, for his sake. I hope he comes off like gangbusters in the spring. But if he senses, and he will sense it by, uh, by uh, who plays when and what, uh, and he doesn't, uh, let's say, make a big statement like he's going to start. I, I just have a hard time thinking he's going to stay. I, I really do. And uh, if it, if that happens, that would be a real lesson to everybody about getting so overly excited about a five-star, a number one player in the country. Uh, I see Solomon Bird being a specialist player. Devin Thompson, uh, I think he's a, he's, he's a real question mark, uh, but in a good way. And I agree. I think that Braylon Shelby's got a lot of upside that we might see it, uh, in the second half of the season. Uh, but I think of all the positions, this one is probably the one for me that has the biggest question mark. So let's move to the Trojans inside linebackers unit. Uh, so Mark, uh, again, to remind folks that are watching or listening uh, on a podcast, uh, again, we're only going to put in players that participate in spring ball, which is uh, a little unfair to Eric Gentry, because I think Mark, you brought it up. We, we he could end up being uh, a rush in, uh, and that's going to be the, the the disappointment I think of the spring for me is where he could play uh, if he was healthy and how that might affect other players. But Mark, who do you got there in the inside? Uh, so because you just mentioned Gentry isn't going to be available to, to participate. I'm going to go Mason Cobb, Shane Lee. Uh, behind them, I've got Rajon Davis, Jamil Muhammad. And then uh, the depth is we're going to start with Taka Curtis. Uh, I don't know where he's going to be by the end of spring. I do. I'm going to feel really good with him sometime halfway through the season. Uh, but Taka Curtis, Eric Gentry, uh, once he's healthy, we can figure out what's going on with him. Chris Thompson Jr., Carson Tabarachi, does he get a chance to, uh, to to show everybody why he transferred from Utah last year? He was a running back, I believe, out of high school or when he got to Utah at least. So, uh, again, another, you know, athlete back there um, to, to, to play around with. And, again, with Gentry not being available, these guys will get a chance to, to show the staff what they can do. I'm interested to see – um, Mason Cobb with these other guys. Um, you know, is Shane gonna, is Shane Lee going to be a starter by the time fall camp rolls around? I think that's a great question. And uh, Eric, how do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, just just jumping into my sort of post spring depth chart, I, I think Mason Cobb at middle linebacker, attacking Curtis right behind him, and then Shane Lee a weak side backed up by Rajon Davis. That, that's kind of how I see um, the top four here. Again, Eric Gentry, I don't think is necessarily just going to lose his job if he's not available. He he proved last year he can make plays. There there's some things like every defensive player for USC 
where you got to show improvement and and do things like that. But he's around the ball. He he makes plays. He's a guy that that I think you want to get on the field significantly um, this fall. Chris Thompson Jr. I'm interested in. He's kind of hit whenever he's been available, and and the USC linebacker group could could use some of that. Garrison Madden, I think, like like with what we saw, just sort of physical development from Devin Tompkins, where you start thinking that guy looks like he could could be something. Garrison Madden flashes a, a little bit of that um, as well. I'm I'm excited to see him kind of year two, and then yeah, Carson Tabarachi. It, it might take him a little bit to fully grasp that spot, but again, athletically and just in terms of being kind of an overall football player he he's a guy that uh that you could could see out on the field so again it, it's like it's like defensive line I, I think you feel much better about the depth here especially because again Shane Lee is not an an elite athlete playing linebacker but confident capable has done it Mason Cobb same kind of thing I, I think Mason Cobb maybe a little bit better in terms of of running ability and coverage and that kind of stuff. So there, there are guys, there are, there are sort of professional guys out there that have done it before and and bring um, a lot of success kind of at, at that spot. So I, I think SC's in a in a pretty good spot there. And then Tacky Curtis is just all potential right now, and and you wanted him to get there as as quickly as possible. So I could see this being kind of a a fire hose spring for him. Hey, get out there, get out there, get out there, give him as much as you can to get him as ready as quickly as possible this fall. Chris, what, what are you looking at? Who, who, who's your two linebackers on the inside? Well, Mason Cobb's taken one of those spots. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, come fall, Eric Gentry is going to be the other starter, uh, which is strange because that means you're going to have a two-time captain who doesn't start on his football team. That's weird. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, but Shane Lee is a productive player who, whose value whose value comes probably more in the leadership he brings than it does in the, in the plays he's going to make on the field, although he can make plays. It's not like Shane Lee's a bad football player. He's not. Um, Gentry, the disappointment with Gentry for me is not that we're not going to get to see him try rush in. I don't think he's going to be at rush in. The disappointment for me is Eric Gentry needed to add 20 pounds, and I don't know whether he's going to be able to do that with, uh, with his ankle problem. And, um, and that's a problem because I think there are two guys on this defense who have super, superstar potential. We'll talk about another one in a minute, who need to put on about 15, 20 pounds. In Gentry's case, maybe more like 30 pounds. But um, uh, Tackett Curtis is going to play a lot and he's going to play a lot come the fall. I'm, I'm really high on this kid. I just don't know that you see this sort of, uh, athleticism and aggressiveness, uh, from, uh, from a high school linebacker very often. He's going to get on the field. Rajon Davis has a lot of, um, has a large cheering section with USC fan base. I would love to see him make plays and get on the field. I don't know what to make of him. You've had two different sets of coaches who seem to be underwhelmed. I, I don't know what to make of that, but it was one thing when uh, before, before the new, um, before the new crew came in with Lincoln Riley, you could say, well, I don't know. He's sort of in their doghouse, but now he gets a second chance. He didn't get a second chance with Riley and Grinch either. That's a pretty big red flag for me, especially when you have a group that uh, especially when Gentry got hurt, wasn't making any plays. I mean, when Eric Gentry went out, 
the team is the team is badly in need of somebody who can come in and play. And the coaches still didn't think Rajon Davis could do it. That's a giant red flag for me. I don't know what it is. Um, Garrison Madden, as uh, as Eric mentioned, is a really interesting prospect. I mean, he wasn't that highly recruited coming out of high school, but this is a guy who ran what a 10, 700 meter. I mean, that's, that's corner speed, good speed for a corner. Uh, and he's a big guy. Um, you know, having Gentry and Tacky Curtis and Garrison Madden and Mason Cobb on the field gives USC a whole lot more speed and athleticism than they've seen there in a long, long time. So I think this group will be, will be better this year, but um but the only sure thing I see right now in the spring is that uh, is that Mason Cobb is going to lock down one of those spots and hold it throughout the fall. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Chris. I think Mason Cobb, you can just shoo him in. Uh, there's not much question in my mind that he'll be one of them. Uh, I, I will say that, again, I hate to belabor on the uh, Eric Gentry uh, position, but uh, Eric Gentry is going to start one way or the other, no matter what his weight issue is. He's he's a he's a difference maker when he's in there. So whether he starts at defense at the rush end or whether he's on the inside, uh, you know, remains to be seen. But he's going to be starting somewhere. But for our purposes, of course, we're trying to put people in positions at the end of spring ball and not where they're going to end up in the fall. That's that's for another discussion. I do think that Tackett Curtis is a rare, rare athlete, size, speed academic excellence it's everything is there it's like grew to good and uh you know when you give a guy like that that much of a chance and you know the good news is since sc's first half of their schedule is not exactly brutal like the second half uh you know tackett could ease his way into it i i don't think it's gonna be a problem uh much i think any inexperience he shows he'll make up for it quickly i don't think he's gonna make the same mistake twice Again, I think the wild card here just in getting playing time is Rajon Davis. I, I I happen to agree with Chris. It's a red flag, two different coaching staffs. But for Rajon to do what he did in the Cotton Bowl, it raised eyebrows. For those of you that are big supporters of Rajon, you had to be excited. Hopefully the kid is excited. He knows he's going to have a shot, probably a bigger shot, maybe uh, because uh, Gentry's not in there, but we'll see. We'll wish him the best of luck, but it, uh, it, I would, I could still see Shane Lee starting uh, for the say. It's not really if I mean if it was a game situation. It's not who starts the game; it's who finishes the game. So just uh, you know, might work out better that Shane just starts. But I hope he's gets better in areas that have been deficient for him. And uh, I think what I like about Lincoln Riley is when he says, you know, don't put the coaching staff in a fifty-fifty position where we have to make the decision. We're not always right, which is a, a bit kudos to me or to him for making that comment. So we'll see how, uh, how it's handled. So with that, let's go to halftime. College football panel is considering rule adjustments for the 2023 season. The four rule changes being considered are as follows. One, outlawing consecutive timeouts. This rule would prevent uh, one timeout from being called right after another which is often done to try to ice place kickers. Uh, rule two, potentially not extending quarters. This rule could make it so that a first or third quarter would not be extended for an untimed down if the quarter ends on a defensive penalty. In that case, the down would be clocked in the next quarter. 
The third potential rule is the running clock. According to this rule, the clock will continue to run after an offense gains a first down, except inside two minutes and a half. This rule will prevent one timeout being called right after another, which often happens uh, sometimes. But uh, it's kind of, I think this is the kind of the NFL rule. Uh, and the fourth one, another uh, running clock rule would be uh, considered perhaps the most controversial. Uh, we'll have the clock continue to run after an incomplete pass once the ball uh, has been spotted for play. I think this is the one with the NFL. So looking at these four rule changes, uh, potentially, uh, your thoughts on the four rule changes. Which one do you think has the best chance of passing, Chris Arledge? I have no idea which one has the best chance of passing. I have not polled the voters on this, but um, all of these rules seem designed to speed up the game. And what's strange about that is that I understand Major League Baseball has been doing things to speed up the game. But if you watch baseball on television, you can see why, because it is slow. I don't know that anybody's complaining that college football games are too long. I mean, maybe somebody is, but I, I haven't gotten the, I don't remember, I don't remember being in the middle of a fourth quarter of any decent college football game and saying, man, I wish this was over now. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the, the, the one thing that all these rules will do, just keep in mind that if the shorter the game is, the more likelihood you have of an upset. Because as the game stretches out, you could imagine if you played an infinite number of quarters, you would almost never have an upset. The best and deepest team would almost always eventually uh, win the game. The shorter the game, the more likely upsets are going to be. I don't know. I don't know that that makes a difference here because uh, I don't have a sense of how many fewer plays you're likely to get in the average game. Does this mean that that the average offense goes from 70 plays a game to 65 or 58? I have no idea if you passed all these. Um, but um, so I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I can't possibly answer your question, Greg. I'm sorry um, that I'm not sure that any of these rules are truly necessary and, um, and that uh, all these rules are going to do is make it slightly and very slightly more likely that we'll have more upsets. But Upsets are one of the best parts of college football, so it's hard to complain about that. Mark, are any yeah. of these things going to make a difference in a game if, if they're passed? So we already know that coaches are terrible with clock management as it is, and now you're going to try and make it more challenging for them. Um, if you want me to pick the rule that I'm, the, I'm fine with is number one. Um, fine, sure. I mean, how often does that happen? If you think that's going to shorten the game, go for it. You get one timeout. You can't call another one 30 seconds later. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, as far as the number three, that running clock rule, tank it. Throw it in the round file. I don't know why they want to be like the NFL. Um, or is it the number? Is that number four? Number four, yeah. Yeah, get rid of that one. Um, I, I'm just not a fan of trying to mimic the NFL. That's what makes the college game um, so much better in my opinion and then as far as not extending quarters who cares I mean, yeah you just roll it over and do it at the start of the the next quarter i don't think that's going to shorten the game so i'm as far as these rules like i said is just leave number four off the books and i can deal with the other three how about you eric you want to leave one off the books three off the books all of them off the i books? mean like any like any recent rule change in almost every sport these are all dumb they're all dumb they're all dumb 
Chris, it does take too much time between the beginning of a game and the end of a game. The solution is not taking out football from that. The solution is playing the same amount of football in a shorter amount of time. And none of these do that, right? That So that's the you issue. You mean cut commercials, McKinney? I, I mean, find a, right, find a way to do something like that. Put a commercial up as the game's going on. Go picture in picture with it. Do whatever. Rent out the field as a green screen and run commercials on the turf as the game's going on. Figure something out on that. The timeouts, no timeouts back to back to ice place kickers. You give a team three timeouts in a half. They can take them whenever they want. If they want to take them three in a row, take them three in a row. They're not getting seven of them when they take them and they don't replenish. That's it. They can take three, take three. So having the clock run after certain things where you have ingrained and embedded in your game, this is when the clock stops. This is how we operate in all of these situations. You, you can't do that. You can't all of a sudden say, okay, no, none of none of that's true anymore. You got to rethink all of this stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it, it's you're going to have so many issues. Again, the we don't replay the the down if there's a defensive penalty at the first quarter or third quarter that happens what three times in a in a year throughout college football i mean you're just you're trying to find problems where there aren't problems and you're eventually going to play whatever it is 15 fewer plays a game 20 fewer plays a game and and if you want to shrink the amount of football just play three quarters then just just cut a whole quarter out and end at the end of the three quarters that'll cut things down significantly <laughs> i just all all of these all of the rule changes the baseball stuff too all of that stuff is just kind of like you're just doing stuff because you feel like it every off season and it's it it always comes across as just kind of lunacy for it because no one is going to go man i really hate college football but if that game is 12 minutes shorter, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to start going and I'm going to be a diehard fan. Nobody's watching baseball this year because all of a sudden there's a pitch clock like, oh, that that makes me excited about baseball. I'm going to be a baseball fan. The The timing and all that stuff is is crazy when you're changing how the game functions and, and how you go in and, and play the game. You want to shorten the game, fix the officiating and fix instant replay and that will shorten i mean game. that's it right take your take your commercial breaks during replay you've you've been okay building in an extra 15 20 minutes over the course of a game a lot of these games for officials to look at what you're looking at for 20 minutes and then typically come up with an answer that no sane person could come up with i mean that that's yeah you can start there hey if you pulled the Pac-12 officials on what the existing <laughs> clock management rules are before these rule changes, would they know? Like if you change these rules and you told the Pac-12 officials, here's the new rule, would they say, I, I didn't even realize the old rule? Because my impression is they might not. Forget forget calling back-to-back timeouts, nice kickers. USC got a timeout during a play at Utah. Right? I mean, you, you could take you take any number of timeouts whenever you want in the Pac-12. So I, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how they're gonna do this. And you can start running the clock no matter no matter when you want to also. It's pretty yeah. remarkable. And you know what? The irony is this. What's that? I was going to say, the irony of this whole timeout thing is if Pete Carroll would not have taken that extra timeout against Stanford, he would not have lost that game 
when Mozik McCurtis got switched to the other side of the field, but Pete Carroll thought he was being smart. Yeah, well, there's some other things he could have done differently in that game too, but <laughs> I'm not sure that Lincoln Riley to have to figure out the new clock management rules because let's be honest, as much as uh, as much as I love Lincoln, he struggled with clock management last year. I'm not sure I want to add to the complexity for him. Uh, thank you. Well, I tell you, to me, the, the, the actual game is fine, okay? College is so good that even the pros have uh, kind of uh, fed off of the college game, going way back to where they put the goalposts when they used to actually have the goalposts for the most ridiculous reason in the middle of the end zone. And then the, the pros, they pick up the two-point conversion, right? Uh, but I think if they really want to shorten the game, shorten the commercials, okay? That, that is unbelievably long. Maybe what they need is a halftime just built on commercials. Forget about the halftime analysis uh, for any length. Just go one commercial after another uh, because nobody pays attention to the commercials unless they're the Super Bowl commercials. And uh, I tell you, the one that frosts me, I wish they'd had a rule that says you can't call a commercial after a kickoff. You know, you get a, you get a commercial after a score, then they come back for the kickoff. And then they go to another commercial that just uh, to me, that ruins it, the flow of the game. So uh, I don't see any of these rules uh, amounting to anything. It's just like uh, they're trying to reinvent the wheel. So with that, let's move on. Second half, we <laughs> kick off uh, with continuing our look at the spring defense by position groups. Let's examine the cornerbacks position and again, give you your, Give us uh, your post-game depth chart panel and your overall justica justification for the rankings. Uh, let's start off with uh, the WRSC editor-in-chief, Eric McKenney. Who's going to be the corners at the end of spring? This is actually a tougher one than I thought kind of going into it. Um, I've, got, I've got three guys that I want to say. I can't see Christian Roland Wallace coming over and not being a starter by the end of spring uh what the the buzz you kind of hear about Damani Jackson and Jacoby Covington two guys who flew under the radar a little bit last year whether it was injury or just kind of kind of not making the the quick impact that that you thought they would starting to hear you know hey they, they're right in there they've kind of figured things out and and they'll be there so I I think those three guys are really the guys to watch I'll I'll say Roland Wallace and and Covington actually as potentially there but if Damani Jackson puts it together and he's healthy and going that that guy's going to be on the field he's he's going to play and so you've got a guy what what Makai Blackman did last year you're hoping that Christian Roland Wallace can do this year. I think Makai Blackman's a, a better athlete, better in coverage, all of that than than Christian Roland Wallace. He's he's more physical and and more built a little bit. Um, but I, Damani and, and Jacoby Covington, I, I think are better overall athletes. Christian Roland Wallace has a ton of experience, and so that that potentially is is I think what gets him that veteran leadership and all that stuff that he brings in. Um, I think gets him that I want to see Josh Jackson Jr. healthy and on the field again. The flashes he showed 
really quickly at corner a while it feels like forever ago now that he moved over from wide wide receiver and played corner uh he he's a guy that I would love to see healthy and going again because I I think he has the talent to play corner and and play it really well all right well I always enjoy this particular part because I know Chris is a defensive back so he's gonna have a special take on it so Chris what what what's your who's your starters and why and your backups I don't have a special take my take is almost exactly the same as Eric's was um Christian Roller Wallace is probably going to start at one of these spots and uh, he does have a ton of experience. He came over to be a starter. I I don't think the coaches bring him over if they don't expect him to play a lot. I also agree. Damani Jackson is going to be a starter if he's healthy. You don't get that combination of athletic skills very often. And when I say you don't, I'm not just talking about in college football. I'm talking about the NFL. You don't get guys who have that size with those arms who run 10, 200 meters. Uh, you just don't get that. So if he's healthy, he'll play. I mean, that leaves three other, Sierra Wright, Jacob Covington, and Josh Jackson, all of whom can play. And I suspect one of those guys is probably going to move over to nickel. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I think I think one of those guys is going to get on the field somewhere else, maybe Covington. Um but uh, so I think those are the two starters and those are the three guys pushing for uh, for time behind them. Mark, who's your CBs? I'm glad Chris segued into that. One of these guys might move to nickel because I, I agree. I just I'm not sure what's going to be Jacoby Covington, though. Um, my starters, I'm going to go with Christian Roland Wallace. Uh, again, too much experience to come over from Arizona. You need somebody who is going to stick his nose in there and tackle. He's that guy. Um, opposite him, it's going to be Damani Jackson. If he was scheduled to start last year before the injuries started to creep up, if if he's healthy now, I don't see why that wouldn't carry over into 2023. Behind him, you've got Jacoby Covington and Sia Wright. Um, interesting, Sia Wright, at least, you know, he, I'm not sure where he is on that depth chart because Joshua Jackson Jr., again, is a very good athlete. And if he's healthy, um, you know, is Sierra going to be able to fight these guys off because the, these guys he's competing against, they're bigger. And I'm not talking lengthwise. I'm talking, you know, physically. And I don't know if, if Sierra has the ability to, to get thicker. Maybe he does. Um, the interesting guy I wanted to keep an eye on here is Maliki Crawford. You know, you, you cannot teach six foot four. And if he's got that same type of twitch that Damani Jackson has, uh, that's someone just to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, the guy who I think is going to move to nickel, if uh, all these other guys can step up, meaning Jacoby Covington and Sia Wright and Joshua Jackson, I'd like to see Damani at that nickel spot. But we'll, talk about, we'll talk about that more. Um, well, I think if Damani Jackson is healthy, uh, and based on what we know, uh, I think he starts. Uh, I also think Christian Roland Wallace starts for the obvious reasons that you guys have already talked about. Uh, my my scrutiny is on Sierra Wright on just how consistently inconsistent he could be, how good he could be, and how average he could be. And I know that a lot of his life uh, is is filtered towards theater arts. And that has been questioned, I think, uh, 
a good question by maybe members of the coaching staff at some point in time. I think Jacoby Covington is kind of a wild card for me that he could end up starting. Uh, Josh Jackson Jr.'s depth to me. Uh, anytime a guy changes positions, and I want to say there are players that even during the John McKay era uh, changed positions uh, and were, were better off for it, like uh, Josh Jackson Jr. Uh, has done. Uh, and we, we see that with, with other teams that uh, uh, SE's had that have had uh, big success. So that's kind of how I, how I see it. Uh, let's move on to the safety position. Uh, Eric, uh, who's your starters at the safeties? So Kalen Bullock's a starter and, and he's, he's locked in. Um, the Alex Grinch really liked Bryson Shaw. It, it was something where you could kind of tell the way he talked about him and, and Bryson Shaw came in and, and absolutely made some plays. He played, he played better than what I thought he would deliver for USC when he came in there. It wouldn't surprise me. If those end up being the two guys, I'm very curious. And I know we're going to get into nickel next. That's such a huge wild card for me, that nickel spot, based on what happens. Does Max Williams, he was he was the nickel, but he started the year playing one of those two deep safety spots. Does he go back there and get in that mix? Zion Branch is a guy where I think he could play a, a lot of different spots. Like, I mean, he's big enough to play right up at the line of scrimmage and, and maybe play linebacker for you based on kind of what you want to do formationally and move stuff around. But he's also a guy that, that I think has to be in the mix at one of those two safety spots and, and potentially rotating guys a lot more than, than what you did last year. Um, but I, I think kind of off the top, um, Kalen and, and Bryson to end, uh, to end spring and then, yeah, Zion is is my wild card because I'm not going to kind of hold him back from anything. I think I think that guy is is physical, is talented, can hit, can cover, can do everything uh, that that you want at safety. Chris, who's your safeties at yeah, the end well, of spring? Yeah, Caleb yeah. Bullock is obviously one, and and he's the other guy that I was talking about that that just needs to add weight. Um, and and it, look, it'll be interesting to see whether uh, whether Gentry and Bullock come in much larger next year, because they both need to. And if they don't, that will raise some questions for me. I mean, if, if, if you really need to put on 15 pounds in order to be, in order to be your, best, your best self in a year that, that should be Bullock's last year in college football, and you don't do it, that's a problem. So I suspect we'll see a bigger, stronger Kalen Bullock, and we need to because he's a fantastic cover guy and a great athlete who will sometimes put his nose in there and smack somebody, but his tackling has to get better. And I think being a little bit thicker would help. Um, because we need tacklers back there, I think Bryce and Sean Zion and Zion Branch are probably the, the two guys for me also. Um, Shaw probably starts with a, a leg up because um, – Branch is younger and was hurt all last year, but, but Branch is a, is a big kid and a great athlete. So it wouldn't surprise me if the two of them end up sort of platooning at that spot. After that, you know, I don't know, other than to say that at some point, Christian Pierce is going to make a run at one of those, at one of those spots. If these other guys don't play better than they played last year. Um, but that's not going to happen this early. 
may happen by November or so. We'll see. Um, so I'm going to go Caitlin Bullock. I'm going to go Zion Branch, but I think Bryson Shaw is sort of a co-starter at that other spot. Mark, you agree? I, I, for the most part, yeah. I disagree with Chris, though, with Christian Pierce. I don't think we're going to have to wait till November. He, uh, he's, a, he's a special player. He's, I, I was talking with Scott recently, and he was talking with his high school coach, and they were talking about how Christian Pierce is literally a player that when you put him on the field, he makes things happen. He changes the way things are done. So I don't think we're going to wait till November. I think he's a, a special player. That's the only thing I disagree with what Chris said, though, there with the safeties. Um, as far as my starter, yeah, Kalen Bullock, he's going to be the starter, you know, playing deep. I think Bryson Shaw is going to be the guy starting up front. Um, and then the the real trick is who is going to back up Kalen? Because when he came out, um, I just remember seeing the back of USC jerseys a lot, chasing receivers. So right now I've got uh, Anthony Beavers backing up. Um, Zion Branch is going to be backing up near the line of scrimmage. And how long you keep him as a backup, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you got a lot of depth there. You've got what? We didn't mention Zamarian Gordon. Um, that's another, he's another big guy. You know, he, he I'm not sure uh, if you could even even consider putting him up at linebacker. But he's a bigger guy. So there you go. Um, Alex Grinch, that's his position group to coach. And if he doesn't get out of them what he needs to, um, I don't know what to say. He's got the talent, that's for sure. All right, I'll say uh, my, my starters are going to be at the end of spring, uh, Kalen Bullock and Bryson Shaw. I think the backups, uh, Max Williams, who I don't really consider a backup at all. Uh, and I think the wild card for this position, and maybe nickel in some ways, would be a Zion Branch. Uh, he's almost, I think, for the common fan, probably is not as focused on Zion Branch. I, I think we are, because we know if he's healthy and he's ready to go, he can make a huge impact. As uh, far as Kalen Bullock, I'd like to see him be a bigger hitter than he is without without losing his ability uh, to, to stop plays. Uh, Bryson Shaw, to me, is a solid player, and you need solid players. But if he got beat out by Zion Branch sometimes in the, sometime in the middle of the season, it uh, wouldn't shock me at all, which takes us to the nickel position. Uh, Eric, who's your starter? So just discussing the nickel position in general, the nickel and the rush end are the two spots where I would put maybe a, a weight line at like 210 or something and just split every defensive player into two groups and just work them. If, if you're bigger than that, you work at rush end. If you're smaller than that, you work at nickel. Those are the two spots that I think you need you need to find the guy. You need to find the guy at that spot. I think Nickel, if Max Williams moves back there, he obviously has the, the most experience there. He didn't have, I, I think he would tell you too, he did not have the best year. You also look at the guys he's covering. And, and again, the guys who are going to line up against that spot this coming year, those tight ends that USC plays, they are, they are phenomenal. 
So for USC nickel to struggle against some of those guys, it's not completely unexpected, but that spot's got to win more one-on-one 50-50 balls than it did last year. I I think Max Williams is a guy there that can step his game up. Latrell McCutcheon is a guy that played a lot there. Jalen Smith. I'm really interested to see Fabian Ross uh, maybe get a, a shot there. Again, one of those guys you didn't expect him to play as a true freshman last year. Where's his development right there? And then again, like I mentioned, I would love in the spring to see a ton of guys get a shot there. If it's Prophet Brown moving, we mentioned Damani Jackson. If Jacoby Covington goes inside, if Zion Branch gets a look there, like Zamarian Gordon, a guy like that, uh, you got to find, you have to find an answer there because I think you want to be sort of multiple with that against the run, against the pass. If you bring him on a a blitz, I mean, that's a spot where Damani Jackson, you let him take a few steps inside and now he's coming at the quarterback from a little bit closer. He's a guy that can help you in the run game too. I I think you need to be more dynamic, more physical and and win more battles at that spot. So I I see that as being a a pretty key spot for this defense. Again, that, that in Russia, and I would put, let everybody take a shot there and see who your real best guys are at those two spots. Chris. Yeah. I mean, I think Max Williams has the, has the leg up to start here because for two reasons, one is he's at this point, extremely experienced. He's played a lot of football and he's played productively, right? This is a guy who's made a lot of big plays for USC. He did not play particularly well last year. Um, And I think the second half of the year, the second half of the year, the defense, fell apart and Max Williams uh, was a big part of that. Um, But he's a guy who's made a lot of big plays in the past. I think that he can come in. He's not going to give you a, he's not going to give you a big body, right? He's not like having an extra linebacker in the game. He's, he's more like my size. And, and so, um, you know, that, that limits you a little bit in, in terms of what you do with the position. But I think he starts there. Um, You know, you have Jalen Smith, who's, played a fair amount um I don't know that I think like much of the secondary he's played a fair amount I don't know that he's stood out as playing well very much of that time uh Latrell McCutcheon I think is in the same boat look there's a guy who comes over with the the other staff they clearly think he can play right they had seen him in games they had seen him in practice they had seen him in the weight room and they want him part of their program that tells me that at some point they expect him to be on the field is that this year? I mean, maybe, maybe it's this year, maybe it's the nickel spot. Um, and, and I do think that there's a decent chance at one of those corners. Uh, I'm, I'm projecting Covington, but I may be wrong about that. I could see Damani Jackson uh, doing it. He is, um, Jackson is a, is a bigger guy and he seems to be pretty physical. He could play that spot. He's certainly a guy who has the height and the wingspan to deal with big tight ends. Um, he is, um, but he also is a former five-star recruit who probably sees himself as a number one, uh, corner in the NFL at some point, which means that he's probably not gonna be real excited about being moved over to nickel. So my guess is he's going to insist on playing outside and that he probably gets his way. So I'm going Max Williams, but this again, with the exception of Kalen Bullock, who, um, who I think is a very, very good proven player who needs to tackle better, but you know what you're going to get from him, and it's pretty good. With the exception of Kano Bullock, I don't know that you have a ton of talent in the secondary, 
And none of those guys have consistently played well. The secondary has been an absolute disaster for the last two years. I mean, shockingly bad, most of those games. So I don't know what to make of that. Somebody's going to have to step up and play football, I hope. I guess nobody has to. We could, you know, we can continue to try to win games 45-42, but, but it would be nice if somebody steps up. I don't know who it's going to be. That was well, long. Max Williams is my starter. I bet Mark Culkin knows who's going to step up. Who is it going to be, Mark? Oh, I'm just a little upset. I had to wait this long to back up what Eric said. And then, you know, Chris Where's kind that? of shot at me. I no, no. See, you stepped in before you let me finish. And then you handed it off to me perfectly with where I was going to go. Hopefully I didn't lose my train of thought now. So what Eric was, <laughs> what Eric said about these, these guys need to get bigger at that position. Um, so isn't this Alex Grinch's fault? I mean, he's the guy who's putting undersized guys at that nickel spot. Max Williams is by no means big. Trell McCutcheon is by no means big. Jalen Smith, um, he played at the beginning of the year. I don't remember him being on the field at the end of the year. And then, you know, Fabian Ross, again, not a big guy. So is it the Jimmys and the Joes or is it the X's and O's when it comes to his scheme? I don't know. If we're going to put these guys at the nickel spot and you're going to have the Daltons of the world from Utah running crossing patterns, none of these guys are going to bring them down. Well, let's just remember that Keithy's coming back for Utah. So well, we'll, Keith, get, a, we'll get a big, big look at that, I'm sure. An NFL tight end. He's not your Dalton Kincaid, six foot four, 250, 60 pound guy. Um, so that's where I'm at with it. That's where I'm thinking, yeah, you know, bring over a Damani Jackson to play that nickel spot, um, a Zion branch. Take your bigger cornerbacks. And what you were talking about, Chris, saying, well, you know, Domani might not want to make that move. NFL GMs and, and so forth say, hey, you know what? If you can play both, that's a plus. So it's, it's there's nothing wrong. They do a lot of cross-training in spring. So because that's what you know, we're talking about who's going to be the starters and the backups out of spring. Uh, if this is who I get to choose from, uh, how they have them listed, Max Williams is going to be the starter. And I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Latrell McCutcheon got bigger. And he's going to be the backup. After that, it does their depth. I want to see some of the other guys move over there because we're talking about tackling to what Eric brought up at the very beginning. We've got to get bigger at that position. All right. I'm going to go with uh, Max Williams as the starter because it's a post spring depth chart. However, in quotation marks, I think that Zion Branch should get a shot at it as a potential backup, along with Latrell McCutcheon, of course. But, you know, when you start talking about, um, as Mark brought up, uh, the matchups against big tight ends, and SC is going to face a number of them. And Zion Branch is not a little guy. He would measure, uh, measure up uh, physically with a lot of these guys. It's whether he athletically can fit that, that mode. Uh, Perhaps he can. I would hope he could. But for the moment, I'll I would go with Mac, Max Williams, but I don't think it's in stone uh, except for a post-spring uh, uh, depth chart. All right, let's go to overtime. Viewer questions, panel answers. Panel, it's halftime. 
Uh, it's time to answer some viewer questions. I should say overtime. Uh, question one from Troy76. Any thoughts on using Tackett Curtis on offense at some point due to his versatility? Maybe as a lead blocker near the goal line? Has uh, similar size and aggressiveness as Ricky Bell, uh, the late USC big-time fullback converted to tailback. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? It's a free-for-all here. Jump in. Uh, would you use Tackett Curtis on offense at some point due to his versatility? No. No. Why? USC has struggled at linebacker since, I don't know, um, 2008. And now you have a guy who is uh, who's a spectacular prospect, but hasn't played a ton of linebacker, right? Because in, in high school, he was playing as much safety as anything else. Uh, I want Tacky Curtis learning how to play linebacker. I want him to become a superstar linebacker. I do not want to turn him into a fullback. The offense is going to score plenty of points without Tacky Curtis playing fullback on the goal line. All we have to do on the goal line is, is let uh, – is let, um, uh, is let the Heisman Trophy winner play his um, uh, play his um, play his option. Shoot, I'm losing my mind, guys. I'm sorry this happened. I shouldn't drink before I come on this show. I mean, <laughs> fake it to the running back and let him run around and do whatever he wants. USC will score. So no, I think it's a I think it's a bad idea. Tackett Curtis is absolutely going to play on offense. His one offensive snap. It's going to come as a fullback where he fakes a block, rolls out, and catches a touchdown to cap off a blowout win over LSU in the 2024 opener to stick it to the home team, the home, the hometown team, LSU, coming out and watching Tackett Curtis score a touchdown against him. No, let, let's let this guy play linebacker. Let's, let's let him turn into a linebacker. I don't know when you wrote that down, Eric. Just now, or did you have that in your back pocket since whenever? No, I, I'm just looking it's at this. It's signing day. Well, I think that Tackett Curtis could very well play on offense on specific specialty plays. Uh, teams do that all the time now. Uh, there's players that uh, – who was it? Was it was it Utah that had uh, Jack – what's his name? And he played linebacker. Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon State. Oregon State had that yeah. 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 I could see Tackett Curtis being used that way. I mean, if you saw – the obvious, not so obvious last week and had a chance to see video of Tackett Curtis on offense. He is a freaking stud. The he question is isn't whether he can play offense. He can. The If you have an offense that's going to score 45 points a game and USC does, do you take the best linebacker prospect you've had in many years and have him screwing around learning how to run a, a, an out route on the goal line? Why? Just play the kid at linebacker, Greg. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're trying to you're trying to ruin the team. Chris, yeah. you're not allowed to cheer when Tackett catches that touchdown against LSU next year. Complaining the entire time. Get a beer in the press box and you know exactly. As, as brilliant as you are, Chris, no one would deny that. Uh, but the question was: at some point, at some point. You know, it could be for one play, could be for two plays. Uh, I'm not ruling out that he would play. Now, I agree with what you're saying in terms of will he really do it. It will not shock me if he gets in there at some point. He's just uh, too valuable 
yes, he's valuable as a linebacker, but for one or two plays, I don't think is a problem with it. All right, let's go to question number two from Big Trojan. This is a good one. Who's been your favorite out-of-conference opponent to play USC football that's not named Notre Dame? Who is it? Ohio State, Nebraska. Ohio State. OU. All good answers. All I also I got I gotta say it does it doesn't compare at all. But I do like that USC schedules the in-state teams, right? Like when Fresno State comes down or they play San Jose State, I, I like keeping a game like that on the schedule. It doesn't compare at all to a Penn State and Ohio State. Although these are, I guess we got to restart. These are not out of conference games anymore. Now now I'm gonna say Washington, Oregon. Those ga- those are fun out of conference games. So that's one vote for San Jose State by McKinney. Good vote. Fresno State. Fresno State was was first. Well, I, I have to say I have nothing but great respect for Eric McKinney. <laughs> I can do without Fresno State. I can do without San Jose State. And the interesting part is because uh, USC is going into the Big Ten, it's possible that all these, other than Oklahoma, they may all be in the Big Ten at some point, Notre Dame in, included. Uh, I think it depends on the era. I think during the late 70s, early 80s, Oklahoma was it. Oklahoma made a, a brief return when we played them in the uh, national championship game. Uh, and in 88. And in yeah, 88. Yeah. And Nebraska uh, was right there at one point when they had home and home series with them. So it's kind of like the era for me. So as I look at it right now, I'm not quite sure who is my favorite out of conference, but maybe when SC plays LSU, that will rekindle a little bit for the moment uh, in Las Vegas, uh, a favorite opponent. Uh, Question three from SC, the one panel, what are your top three head-to-head matchups for SC this season, which will determine SC finishes in the college football playoff top four, assume SC wins the Pac-12 championship. Comments? The three teams that finish with the highest rankings, other than other than USC. No, I mean no, right? Notre Dame's always big. And then I'll say Oregon and Washington, although UCLA maybe maybe in there as well. But I think probably a safe bet that if if it comes down to it, Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington games are, are gonna be the top three. Uh Ditto, I, I agree with Eric. I think it's gonna be Washington, Oregon, and at Notre Dame. Uh, interesting enough. Yeah, because forgot Notre about Utah already, I guess. Well, I think what's interesting is you got when's the last time they beat us. Wow, fresh meat. No, no, listen, here's the thing the two toughest games are Oregon and Notre Dame because those are both road games against, against very good opponents. But the reality is, USC can afford to lose one of those two and still make the college football playoff, right? You can make the play if you win the conference and have one loss, especially against USC's schedule this year, you're in. So they need to win one of those two, and then they have to beat, you know, UCLA, Washington, Utah, all at home. And up and and of those three, I mean, I would say that Washington, Utah are probably the better teams. But I don't know. I think UCLA is going to be pretty good again. So I mean, that last that last half of the schedule this year is just horrific. I mean, that is a brutal slog. The first half is going to be easy. USC is going to be sitting about number two or three. They're going to be undefeated. They're going to be outscoring people by 40 points. And then all of a sudden, they're going to have a war every single week. Well, I, I was going to say, Chris, before you rudely interrupted me, 
I would hope that you would because consistency is what I look for in my panelists. <laughs> uh, when we talk about the top three head-to-head -head, uh, matchups, uh, Chris is absolutely correct. Uh, having the road games with Notre Dame and Oregon are, are going to be really could tell the season as far as uh, getting into the playoffs. And uh, it's, that, that's going to be a tough one. Washington, I I totally respect that Washington's going to give all SC can handle, but it will be in the Coliseum, which is a big difference uh, for those of you that uh, have gone to uh, Seattle to watch the Trojans, the Husky. That is a tough place to play. Um, timely question here from Hector and Southgate. Uh, what's the first thing you'll be looking for at the first day of spring practice, which again starts this Saturday? Uh, I'll go with this. I'll say the first thing I want to see is who is who's there and who's missing, and if they're missing, why? Jump in, guys. That's my my thought. Yeah, that that's certainly always the first thing. Where guys are lined up and and who's there and not there. That's all. I'm curious. To, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. No, that's all you can really take from the first spring camp for uh, first practice of spring camp. Who's showing up? Who's got their helmet and their shorts and shells on? Because that's all you're getting. Um, no, I want to see who warms up and stretches the best. Right. That's what I want to see. If I mean, if you if you tell me that if you tell me that uh, you know Jalen Smith looks really solid in the warm ups and stretching, I'm going to pencil him in as my nickel starter. No question. Veter I mean, the veterans are going to have a huge huge advantage, right? Knowing where to stand, timing of everything, all yeah. that. They're they're going to look they're going to look great compared to the new guys. I want to see if we're going to institute a Hawka this year, because if they come out and they do that in their warmups, that will tell us something interesting. And I think we should to, to help recruit the Polynesian guys. Cause you need, if you're going to recruit offensive and defensive linemen in the West, you need to, you need to land Polynesian guys. I think we start doing the Hawka. I think it starts this Saturday. Well, I think coach Nua should take that uh, responsibility and they should actually should be part of warmups. In my opinion, they should start before they start stretching, just get right into it. And, uh, Make sure your tongue is ready to wag. Uh, question five from Janice in Highland Park. This is a big one now. Does Caleb Williams have a girlfriend? What is this, People Magazine? Is this uh, Entertainment Tonight? Well, we're trying to be a little bit of, you know, get touch all the bases here. Who's we? I'm not trying to do that at all. Well, I should give it a basketball game with someone of the opposite sex. Let's just leave it there. Okay, so Culkin has the dirt. Well, of course Culkin has it. Did Culkin, I'd be disappointed if he didn't have I didn't say it was his girlfriend. I've seen, I said, I've seen him about town and he's been out with someone of the opposite persuasion. Is it always yeah. the same? Is it always the same girl though? I'm not going to kiss and tell. I don't know. Okay. I, I mean, I hope you don't kiss. I don't know. I haven't girl. taken that deep of a look. The okay. last I, I thought she was, was, wasn't he supposed to be going with some um, uh, movie star, blonde movie star? Did I get that wrong? Was that an erroneous Eric, report? Was that in the People Magazine interview? Are we spending more time talking about this than the nickel spot? What is what is happening right now? <laughs> I lodged an objection at the very beginning, Eric, but Greg insisted. He really I, I zoned out, came I back, and it's me. still this me. same question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's finish it up with the final question from Doug and Irvine. Do you know the time for the spring game on April 15th? Does anybody know? Noon. It is noon? Noon. You're willing to bet your life and reputation that it is noon. Correct. I can read an email. Yeah, noon, 
12 p.m. Spring game, April 15th. All right. Well, Chris, are you going to be in the country for that? I think so. <laughs> I should be. Chris, I don't know if I'll be there. If, if it's going to be televised, I may just stay in Dallas and watch it on TV again. Well, there you go. Email did come, Eric. I see why you're so confident with your response. Yeah, nothing about TV yet, um, but that's that's going to be the time that fans can come out and see them. It's not going to be during the practices. So, uh, yeah, pen that in. Circle it, April 15th, noon, spring game. Oh, there you have it. And we are SC exclusive. And also the first day of camp is not Saturday the 4th. It is Sunday the 5th. Is that right? Players will, players will report on the 4th. Well, yeah, when we get to show up is on the I Sunday. I assume so. Oh, and we get to show up. Okay, well, that's a, that's a horse of a different color. All right. A reminder again, if you have a question or comments for our panel, go to either of the WeRSC message boards, click on the thread that pertains to Inside the Trojan Subtle viewer or listener questions. Uh, that does it for us for Tuesday's edition of Inside the Trojan Subtle. So until next Tuesday, a big thank you to our excellent panelists, Mark Cook and Eric McKenney, Chris Arledge, and a special thank you to all of you for your watching or listening to Inside the Trojan Subtle. Have yourself a great week. This is your moderator, Greg Katz, saying, Fight on, everybody.